This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is our Let's Talk Arsenal series, show in which we look at what is going on in the world of our beloved club. And I'm always joined by a wonderful guest. And today is no different. I'm very happy to be joined by a debutant on the channel. It's reporter James Green. How are you doing, James? Yeah, I'm good. I look, let me deal with the lemons first of all, right? I'm kicked out <laughs> of the lemon room. I'm not a Maurizio Pochettino fanboy or anything like that because he loves his lemons. Very he does, yeah. Interesting guy. Um, but yeah, so yeah, thanks for having me on. Excuse the lemons. Mm, I mean, we're going to talk about a lot of lemons this evening. Um, so <laughs> so uh, it's, uh, yeah, we're going to be touching on a fair few things that have gone on at the weekend. And uh, chat box, quiet, thank you so much. For... Say again, sorry. It was quite, quiet. quiet weekend. Yeah, it? it was so dull. Nothing, nothing, nothing happened. <laughs> uh, Chatbox, thank you so much guys for tuning in very much appreciate that and uh, do drop a like and subscribe of course as well you can find James on Twitter at James Green in UK uh, so make sure you give James a follow providing some fantastic stuff on plenty of platforms um, you've obviously been covering a bit of Arsenal this season James um, you've been in some of the press conferences with myself as well with Mikel Arteta uh, I was in the one this weekend at Newcastle and I've never quite seen him in that way you know, uh, you'll be very well aware of how cold and deflective he can be to some questions when you try and get any ounce of information out of him. But uh, having seen the obviously the game, of course, and the fallout of the weekend, I kind of want to start with the the view of Arteta on Monday because it it does seem that despite all the chaos around VAR, he seems to be the main story today. What do you make of the coverage? Yeah, look, the coverage is is big. It's 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 a big story when you yeah. have a big manager coming out, <clears throat> excuse me, and you know criticise the officials so strongly. It doesn't, you know, we see managers criticise officials all the time, but not necessarily to that extent. It was a really strong message, and look, the coverage is is gone around. Look, we know that whenever anything happens with Arsenal. The coverage seems to just creep on and on and on. And we know the clicks that these media companies also 
enjoy having when there's ever any debate on Arsenal. But but look, ultimately, look, they're, they're, we're going to, I'm sure, talk about the decisions, uh, mm. what happened at Newcastle. But I think ultimately the the rant from Arteta was a combination of all the decisions that have gone against Arsenal this season. We're mm. only 11 games in. Uh, and I could sit here and name them all. I'm sure Arsenal fans know all about them. But actually, when you look at them, you know, 11 games is not many games. When you no. see, you know, Tommy Asu sent off second yellow against Crystal Palace, should never mm. have been second yellow. Um, Destiny Dogi handball, Tottenham in the area, didn't even get checked by VAR. Kai Havertz, given a penalty, got the penalty against Man United. Mm was deemed uh, a clear and obvious error. And it really definitely wasn't a clear and obvious error. error. Uh, where are we? Martinelli, uh, pen- uh, the goal against Everton, mm. deemed that uh, the Everton player didn't deliberately deflect it. Well, he did because he blocked the ball. Uh, <laughs> You're naming ones even I forgot it. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, two, yeah, two it's places, like... Two blatant yellow cards against Manchester City. I, I mean... Yeah. It's it's the list is unbelievable. It's mm. unbelievable, and so there's this is why, and I think this has maybe probably been out missed out of all the reporting today, is that the reason behind it was so severe was because I yeah. think he's had enough. He's had enough of the decisions made. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you say this season, and you brought up some examples there that I've I'd, I'd forgotten about. Because thankfully, like we beat Man City, thankfully we beat Man United. You know, thankfully we beat Everton. Is- so it becomes less of a story when you win, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, another one, uh, Robert Sanchez, Chelsea wipes mm. out Gabriel Jesus, a game yeah. that we drop points in. So it's these games, absolutely, you're, you're spot on. And when we win the game, it doesn't get talked about as much and the focus isn't too much. Now, Mick Arteta might be annoyed still about the decision, but he's never going to be at the veracity as we saw on Sunday mm. because we win the game. We get the three points. That's the most important thing. But when you don't, the frustrations just boil. And, and to me, it is just purely a culmination of everything he's seen this season and it's a and lot it's, I think it goes beyond this season because you know, I think like remember last season with the Brentford offside that was goal that was given and effectively I remember being in that presser afterwards as well where he talked about you know we're not going to get those three points back um, and you can't help but from an Arsenal perspective feel aggrieved uh, the issue I think that and we'll talk a little bit about some of the decisions because and I feel like they've been talked about for the last 48 hours but it's interesting getting these different points of view but I do personally think that Arteta went a little over the top. Like I don't think it's impossible. I don't think as an Arsenal fan, it's unfair to say that there was a bit of hyperbole, a bit of exaggeration. Like, you know, I asked the final question, trying to move things on to next week and say, how do you pick the players up? And he kind of ended the question by saying that he felt sick still. And like, even though, you know, it, it must be difficult. But do, am I am I overreacting by saying, I think he may be slightly overreacting. But the, and I'm using, I'm talking specifically about the words that he used rather than the anger that he rightfully had. Yeah, look, he, he's, he has these moments sometimes when he's aggrieved about something. And then what happens is he uses the same words in mm. every single interview, whether it's post-match in the press conference to other mm. broadcasters, it's the same message. So he's got this in his head that he's going to use these words and he used it every single time. Do I think it's over the top? <clears throat> Look, I, we we in the media, we want to see honesty. We want to see raw emotion. We mm. praise players, managers who speak so openly to us. That's important to fans that we want the truth. Now, as you know, being at a Mikel Arteta press conference, usually it's pretty mundane. 
You know mm. he's just going to push everything to the side. He's never really going to answer a question properly. They're not actually that exciting at all. But when you then have this, we actually maybe should be just appreciating that this is just a raw emotion. And ultimately, look, he knows that how hard it is to win a Premier League title. He yeah. suffered it last year getting so close. He knows that these moments could make all the difference. And the scum have just scored as well. So, oh uh, no, just, <laughs> just gone. Oh dear me, yeah, James has got it in the background. So, uh, we have the benefit of live updates from, uh, from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I mean, you can't rely on Chelsea for anything, you know. Although, you that, being, that being said, some people listen to this in the morning, you know, may not, or know more than us as we do live right now. They would call this at eight o'clock uh, on Monday evening, of course. Um, I think that's fair, you know, I think that absolutely emotion. And the raw, how raw it was still after the game obviously leads into it. It's just I've seen him so many times be more measured in, in talking about referees yeah. when he's been, you know, when things have gone against us, that it was a surprise to see him be that angry. And it is, I think, someone in the chat book says it was a build-up uh, of those poor decisions, Brad saying there, that it was a build-up, you know. Um, so let's let's see if uh, there's... I mean, has he been charged? I, I, I've really tried to stay away from Arsenal social media as much as I can. I'm, I'm, I think he has. Has he been I be, charged? I believe there is, yeah. I believe yeah. he has. I mean, he's going to be. He, he, there's going to be some sort of charge. I think the bit, the most surprising thing came... Sunday night, I think I think it was Sunday night when the Arsenal statement drops that the club have actually backed up um, Mick Arteta. Mm-hmm. It was Sunday, it was yesterday, wasn't it? And um, and their statement surprised me a little bit for them to go to that extent mm. to release a statement back in the manager's comments asking for change. I think that became actually more surprising than anything. We don't usually see a mm. club coming out. Uh, that much but again it goes bad Brad pointed out I mentioned it it's, I just think it's a culmination of the decisions this season they're just not happy they're not happy with how things are going and look we've got to be clear here it's not an Arsenal problem specifically this is happening for a lot of clubs we saw the Liverpool Tottenham thing okay it's a bit it won't ever happen again I don't believe mm. like that but you know look at Wolves you know they're a small club we might not they might not get the clicks that Arsenal will, hence why we're probably not talking about it as much. They've had some absolute shocking luck this year. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. it's a combination in it. Look, Harold Webb's come in and it's not improving yet. Now, I've sat with Howard Webb. He's a lovely guy, a nice guy. Mm. He understands the game. Uh, I sat with him uh, pre-season game. I think it was actually at Tottenham, unfortunately. But I sat with him. We we spoke for a while. We sat the whole entire game next to each other. Mm. And we spoke a while and he, you know, he, you could tell that he really wants to spend time with clubs. He wants to get his message across. He wants to have open dialogues with clubs as well. He wants to explain decisions more. He wants to, they want to put more out there. Uh, you know, we've seen it with the audio clips being released as well. But, you know, he's not, I don't believe he's being helped by the, ineptitude of what we've seen decision-making process of the officials. And mm. again, must stress when people go VAR, it's actually the officials using it. It's yeah. not the technology itself. The technology helps the game. You know, it's proven more, be- more decisions are right because of VAR. So that's, that's a good thing. But the people in charge of the technology at the moment, are just not getting it right. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I've constantly said that it's the it's the people, not the technology. Um, that you know, you can add as much technology as you like, but as long as there's a, a person behind it controlling it, there's always that that chance for human error. I find it mad that in you know a stadium with thirty cameras, we've not got one going directly across a goal line. Still, I find that you know crazy. Do you think? 
I, I often theorize this on the show, so it's good to get a second point of view. Do you feel as though the VAR, if it was manned by a third party instead of PGMOL, so the, the officials are the officials and they do the refereeing, but if it goes to VAR, it is a separate third party group that is in charge of that to get like a second disassociated opinion, if you like? I get what you're saying, yes, mm. um, to a certain extent. That'll never happen. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah re reality is it wouldn't ever happen. Um, I, I don't believe that's the bad thing. You know, people talking about ex-pros being in that room. I think that's a good thing. I, I think a lot of incidents we see so often are given because of the written rule and not by the fact that these people have played the game at that level and they understand body position, movement, what contact justifies going down, et cetera. And I think that's really important. I think that's what they're missing quite a lot. And, and also I'm really, what troubles me more with it, I think at the moment is that now on-field referees are, they're a little bit redundant at times and it shows in their performances. They are not making the key decisions. They are more likely to let things go because they'll mm. go, I, well, if I miss something, VAR could do it. And then what happens is VAR go, mm, well, I'm not quite sure. We'll stick with the on-field decision. But the referees are more inclined now to not make decisions. Yes. And, and yeah. that's a problem. And that's a problem we're getting to now because they're more inclined to do that at the safety net of having the VAR behind them. Then there's now uh, the decisions are being made. And look, we can go back to, you know, for example, the foul on Gabrielle, which was 100% a foul. I don't know how anybody can see it otherwise, unless they're looking at it in blink a blinkered fashion. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, the referee, ugh, look, I think he probably saw contact, thought, I'm at Newcastle. The crowd's quite raucous. I tell you what, I won't give it, but. VAR will check that. And if it was a foul, which I think it might have been, then it's fine. It will be ruled out. And then when it wasn't, it's like, well, you, you, you've you made a decision that you, I don't believe they actually thought was correct. So, yeah, look, there's real problems, real problems. And it is highlighting issues. Whatever anybody says about Arteta shouting and screaming, we can say, yeah, it wasn't really, maybe it's a bit too much. But mm. change doesn't happen unless we make a bit of noise. And that's in all aspects of society, you know, protests. Mm to try and get things done and get things changed. And it's really important that we do that. So I, I, I don't, I see, I, I see and I understand why the Arsenal manager's done that. He's a very, very clever guy, as you know, and I think there's reasoning behind it. Yeah. Uh, oh, without a doubt. Um, and it'll be intriguing to see kind of what happens re-refereeing decisions on Arsenal in the coming weeks to see if there's, you know, because there's always going to be some kind of subconscious now difference, you know, from the referee's point of view. Does I it agree. Worry, you, does it, I was going to say, sorry, does it worry you that it might go against the other Arsenal? Way. Yeah. Yeah, of course. There's always that chance, isn't there? Um, and it, it's obviously from an Arsenal perspective and speaking as an Arsenal fan, you always feel that your club is in a worse position than every other. You know, Who knows? I don't have the, the stats or the evidence suggests that it is or it isn't. Um, but it always certainly feels like because you watch Arsenal more than any other team when you're that fan, you're so much more tuned in with the media and the coverage around that club and, and obviously what other fans are saying as well because you follow so many people also uh, cover and, and, and support the club that it always feels that way, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it is. But you, I can't help but feel that Arsenal do get... You know, treated differently sometimes, and I think it was Michael Richards, wasn't it? That, that famous quote that Xhaka then, you know, spoke about 
Yeah, I was at 2-0. Oh, great. Fantastic. Oh, they're offside. Oh, well, I was maybe offside. offside. Okay. Who knows? Uh, you never who know. Knows? VAR might give it, you know. You never know. But it was Michael Richards that said like, that comment that Jack oh, on what he says. Well. Is it close? Okay, well, you yeah, keep us sorry. updated. <laughs> he said, look, when it's Arsenal, everyone piles in. Everyone everyone has a, an opinion on it's Arsenal. Um, and he, he was absolutely right. Um, and I think that you're so spot on when you said that you know, the referees, I think, are using the VAR as a backup too much now. They're, for me, they need to referee games as if VAR doesn't exist and that it's only there in those circumstances where they've made that clear and obvious error. And it was, I think, at the start. But now it's moved into this place where I think referees are not. So that Gabriel foul that we all saw that was a clear and obvious foul, maybe he says that's a foul. But knowing that there is VAR to back him up, he's not. You know, he's not given that decision. And so therefore he's allowed it to go to that. And then what we know is, is that there's these other rules where, well, if, if the referee's not given the penalty or he's not given a foul or he's not given the handball, it's not in the VAR's kind of um, interest. I'm trying to put the best way to put it. It's, yeah, it's, it's not in it's their not. way to, to try and re-referee the game, sure. as they say. Yeah. Um, which obviously then changes things entirely for certain instances. And it it seems there's the lack of consistency is the main thing, isn't it? Like you think about the the Hoyland Rodri situation in the in the Manchester Derby. Mm-hmm. That incident for me is a foul, but it never gets given in so many if other scenarios. So if you're gonna give it there, you've got to give it in, in every other. And if you're not if you're giving that foul, how you're not then saying that Gabrielle's been fouled in the box is is mad. And I think uh, I think it's Rory Talks Football on Twitter. He's, um, he's been on the channel. He's a fantastic guy producing some really good content. And he, he put the example up of when Cedric supposedly fouled Son in the North London Derby where he kind of brushed him. And it was given as a penalty, even though it wasn't, I didn't think, in that moment. Yes, yeah. Crazy things have happened. Yeah, I saw, but, I, yeah, I, I saw that. I, I saw that today as well. And mm. yeah, it, it, you see decisions like that and it does remind you like, and, and that that was deemed not a clear and obvious error. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it and it does pain you. And look, I, look, we are, as you mentioned, as as fans, you're always going to think that everyone's against you. That you, you just will. It, it's just the nature of it. And you described it perfectly well because you watched the team so well. Mm, yeah, but, I think it, yeah, but it's tough, isn't it? I do think, I, I don't know what it is, but I really do think and I try so hard and I guess my work helps mm. me take my Arsenal hat off a lot and I have to be quite plain, quite neutral a lot of the yeah. times and always think like that. But I do see so many things that seem to just work the other way for Arsenal. Mm. I really do. And I, look, I don't, I, I'm not someone, I don't want to be that person who only complains about us at all. Look, Havertz, in my opinion, was very lucky to stay on the field. I think sure. he probably, yeah. probably should have been sent off and actually did a tackle later on that should have yeah. been deemed second yellow. I ha- He definitely, in my opinion, should have been sent off. So I'm not someone who's like, no, no, Havertz didn't do anything, but this person did. But it just seems to be just this running theme at the moment. And I can, if we're feeling it as fans, you can imagine what's happening inside the club and inside the playing staff, the management, the coaches. And again, it's just accumulation of everything that has led us mm. to this point. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, 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 the Havertz thing, it's like an orange card for me. I think it's like, you know, I can see what's yellow. It's the slight contact with the shin pad with his leading foot is, I think, what's what's tipped it for some people. You know, it's, I remember the Eddie and Ketia challenge on Vicario in the derby where he led with that foot that, and he missed him. You know, I, I think that was, I think he was lucky. 
Yeah, I mean, if he makes Eddie contact with his right foot, you know, in a more in a meaningful way, I think he goes. Um, yeah. I, I I don't want to get into a situation where I think red cards are given for what could have happened, if you know what I mean. As in, like, if his foot was a two inches to the left, or you know, if his foot was, you know, if he'd aimed slightly different angle and made connection, it would have been sent off. So therefore, he had the intent. I'm not sure I want to get into a situation where we're we're giving red cards for what could have happened. I, I agree with you, um, but. It's obvious that you know you have to look at certain situations. We've not even talked about the Bruno Gimaraes thing, you know, which is, I think that's as close to a felony <laughs> that I've seen on a field go unpunished. It's... Do, you, do you know what I watched today? Do you remember uh, Ben Thatcher on uh, Pedro Mendes? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember? Literally, to me, that was pure assault on. Yeah, I, I mean, he. That's he, what he, I used. In my opinion, <laughs> well, yeah. In my opinion, he should have like you know. Look, I remember back then that he should have. He actually should have gone to prison. I, I mm. thought he was that bad back then. And the referee then who gave a yellow card was Dermot Gallagher, right? <laughs> Dermot Gallagher, who worked for Sky, he was on the telly today going, I think Bruno Gimmerich was a yellow card because he used his forearm yeah. and not his elbow. Now, I, I listen to that. I read the rules. There's yeah. nothing in the rules that says that, by the way. About wear on the arm. No, you know. nothing, nothing. Whether it's Because that's almost saying, well, okay, you can use your hand then and punch mm. someone. But it's yeah. not your elbow, so it's okay. So it's absolutely redundant. So when you hear, yeah. again hear that argument, it's it's ridiculous. There, there's again, like I, I will not be convinced by anybody that Gabriel wasn't fouled. He was 100 percent fouled. Mm. I'm not going to be convinced by anyone who tells me Bruno Gimmerich shouldn't be sent off. Newcastle yeah. fans know it. Tottenham fans know it. Chelsea fans know it. Everybody who, everyone who hates Arsenal still knows that Gimmerich should have been sent off for that. I do mm. again. That one, he's not on the on-field referee because I don't think he sees it at all. He's not looking that way. But how VAR isn't stepping in on that, I, I, I don't know what you're supposed to do. And to me, it felt like the whole officials on Saturday night were quite intimidated by the St. James's Park atmosphere. And I look, mm. to a certain extent, I can understand, right? I, I can understand that intimidation factor. It's intimidating going there as players, as fans. You, you go in there going, oh, I'm not sure what this is going to be like today. Mm. But these are paid officials and they've got to be better than that. It's as simple as that. Yeah. That, and that is the key thing is that we all that the, the constant cliche is the Premier League is the best league in the world, you know, and yet it, it, just for me, and I watch plenty of other leagues from time to time knowing that there are also issues there, but it just feels to me like the Premier League has, you know, consistent problems um, that, that just is weekly, you know, it's, and it's not just weekly, like one a week, it's multiple every week. That's why, Dale Johnson from ESPN has a VAR review article go out every Monday because there's so many incidents to look at. But, you know. That's why that's why Sky Sports News has one of its most popular, most watched shows on TV, Ref Watch, yeah. at 11.30 every single Monday. They did an hour special this week because there were so many decisions to talk about. So, yeah, yeah I mean, people are making money from it now. Yeah, and, and you know, it's because people are so angry about it and want to hear about it and want to feel justified in their own view yes, of that situation correct. or obviously the opposite and feel like and feel aggrieved that these people yeah, are not yeah, seeing yeah. it the same way as them. And it, it just football should be about the football. It shouldn't be about, you know, the decision making. And the whole point of VAR initially was that there was talk that, you know, uh, I was on uh, Sirius XFM earlier on today in America and the, the guys on there were saying about how it was used. The idea of it was was like kind of pitched as being those conversations in the pub about referees will be a thing of the past. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and it's just, that's what they talked about at the start. And, and I remember thinking, I'll get in one. Or, uh, I remember thinking um, that, that that was the case. And I thought, yeah. 
actually, I'm going to miss that because I used to love going in the pub afterwards and moaning, complaining, and, you know, this happened, oh, it's well out of order, you know, blah, 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 but no evidence of it. Um, But, yeah, it isn't like that. It's, um, it is, look, like I said to you, I still believe, I believe in it, in the fact that it's got a place in our game. The game is so fast. Mm -hmm. It need we need some support. The referees need support. They need, you know, the goal line. We know goal line technology. Spot on, we know it. I don't know why they don't bring in the automated offsides. Uh they yeah. should do well, that. That's the clubs. That I know, the yeah, clubs voted against correct. that. Correct. Yeah. And that that's a you know, this is where if there's any offside decisions that are a little bit like that, that's where the mm. clubs gotta look at themselves and go, look, that would have cleared it up. That would have made life so much easier. Um yeah. But look, it, it, the biggest fundamental difference for me is that it feels like a lot of the times, so slightly different to the Arsenal situation, it is completely different, but it feels like a lot of the time they're trying to find something to disallow goals. Mm. And that takes away the fundamental aspects of actually enjoying celebrating a goal. Can you really properly enjoy celebrating a goal anymore? It's not the same. You don't because mm. you sit there and go, oh, is it going to be given? You, you've got that awkward jumping up and down moment. You're like, oh, ooh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. Well, you, you'll know like me that you know in a, in a press box, you know, it's kind of like the, the not the done thing to celebrate. Like, obviously, there are times where it, it's very like I was at the Bournemouth game where we won in the, like the ninety something minute, and you know, the Arsenal supporting people in the press box certainly still lost their minds in that moment when Nelson put it in the back of the net. Yeah. But I think you know, and I've only obviously been in the press box for like the last year, two years or so. But it's become easier to not celebrate because I'm so aware I of VAR existing. And it's made it easier to just be calmer when we score because I'm like, well, I don't. I might have just seen a little infringement. I don't know if it's onside or not. The amount of times I've gone in my head, like I, I think that's going to get ruled out, and it, it's nothing like you know, it's, it's nowhere near being ruled out for anything. But there's just that doubt always in my mind. Just, so, just gonna... there you go, right on cue. Chelsea just had a goal disallowed. <laughs> so it would have been two one. Slight handball. Encouraging signs. Still one nil. But there we go. Oh, it's one nil still. It, it got ruled yeah, out. Got, the other one got disallowed as well. Yeah, offside. Goodness me. It's just it's constant though. You see decisions <sighs> all the time. You see what I mean? The Chelsea fans would have been going mad, and, and, and a lot of Arsenal fans. And uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, it is what it is. Um, so obviously, the kind of the what I wanted to move on to next. I, I do want to look towards the future in in regards to obviously severe next. Then we have got kind of a kind of run of fixtures going. But um, what I did want to discuss was kind of the result analysis that I think's gone on around this game because. If I think it was deservedly a draw, if you were kind of defining a result, I didn't think either side created anything monumentally, you know, game changing. No, Callum Wilson had that chance that he hit over the bar early in the game, uh, and we actually had more shots than Newcastle in the end, fourteen to nine, I think it was. Uh, just the one shot on target for us, which was that Martinelli shot, which if he'd have put anywhere else other than straight at Nick Pope, we might have had a better chance. Um, but I feel as though that Newcastle have come away from this and have been lauded for that performance and Arsenal have been in my view overly criticised in a game where I think Arteta managed it a very similar way in which he tried to approach the Man City game knowing that you're going up against a tough opponent especially in this case away from home to be physical to be combative I think we matched them physically on the day other than when they over overdid it and should have been punished for it in the in the yeah. incidents we've already talked about and I think that the biggest criticisms have obviously been of Arsenal's attack and the toothlessness that there was in Arsenal's attack, and in particular, obviously, Eddie Nketiah. But I also think Bakaya Saka comes into that conversation a lot and maybe has gone a little bit under the radar. And even Kai Havertz has taken a little bit more flack than maybe I think he deserves. I think actually it was one of the more encouraging performances that he's had. And yet Saka's been very quiet. And yet there seems to be this kind of 
moths to flame, if you like, with Havertz being the flame with, for criticism at the moment. So tell me what your thoughts are on the Arsenal efficiency in attack at the moment, what you think needs to happen to solve the problems. Yeah, look, uh, first of all, spot on. Uh, I, I feel exactly the same about the Newcastle performance. I've seen, again, people, some people going, no, you know, it's really, it's so tough. Oh, they did so well to even, you know, kind of stand there. It's like, well, I actually, you know, yeah, it was tough, but that game was there to be won. Um, and a draw was absolutely, yes, fair result. But I tell you what, I don't think we were ever struggling. And we've been there, as we know before, and really struggled. And I, I think we held our own. Uh, it's always a difficult place to go. You know that a point would have been, I think we'd have probably taken a point, to be honest with you. I would have done. I'd have been quite happy with a point. But watching the game at nil-nil, <clears throat> I, I thought we really could have won it. Um, but for the lack of creating chances... So, look, um, speaking to when I spoke to Mikel, <clears throat> last time I spoke to him, near the start of the season, and we were we were really struggling to be clinical in front of goal. And I was asking him about that. And he's like, look, <clears throat> we're working on it. We tr- This is a key aspect of our game that we've got to improve. But we were creating, we were creating chances at that point, but not being clinical enough. I feel like we weren't really creating those clear-cut chances. I think our best chances, set pieces, mm-hmm. weren't they? Corners, but obviously... Trossard couldn't hit the, uh, couldn't get past the near post for the final three, which was so frustrating. But yeah, look, Bukayo gets away with a lot of average performances. And what frustrates me more about Arsenal fans at times is that we do pick a scapegoat. We've got a history of doing it. Let's go back to like someone like Emmanuel Abue. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it felt like that's in our mind. He's our scapegoat. Doesn't matter what he does, we're going to criticize him at any opportunity. No leeway given. You know, mm. but Kai, um, Kai Havertz is that man at the moment. And I agree with you. I think he had a decent game. But look, there, there are struggles. I think that it, it's not free flowing at the moment. Erdegaard's a big reason why. Uh, I think we relied on him so much. Um, and he. He's got this, he's had this niggling injury, hip injury. Now he's obviously out injured. We don't really know. They're keeping it quite under wraps of what extent that is. But I think so much of our play, certainly last season, the strength of it was through Martin Odegaard. I think he made a big difference. Um, mm. Oh, never goal disallowed. And <laughs> Chelsea or Spurs? Chelsea. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, apparently, apparently they should have had two red cards or something in this as well. Apparently, there's two oh, challenges yeah, there in was there. A challenge that uh, yeah, wasn't really clear. I, honestly, we should Brad, you need to stop putting one one in the chat, mate, because you got it wrong twice, fella. Poor lad. Poor lad. Oh god, oh, it's me. so close. It's an offside decision, but um, oh, is it an offside? So the uh, so the linesman's put his flag up, but, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, great strike. I tell Actually, you what, those listening on catch up are going to be thinking, "My goodness me, they went through a right roller coaster of emotions doing this." This is why you don't do a live show. Yeah, we, this is like, an error, wasn't it? So, but, uh, this is all James's fault. Like James is like eight o'clock. We'll do it at the, the prime time television. You know, so, so I had to listen to the boss. She she's in charge, mate, and uh, that was my no, only I, free I, time. I feel you, but, mate. Um, I absolutely empathise with where you're coming. I think this. Um, go, I, I think this might be given. Actually, I, I don't think okay, it's outside, but we'll see. Um, oh God! But it's it, again. It's that we're we're seeing now live this sense. So I guess this is kind of as close as you're going to get to a watch along, guys, on this channel. It's not of <laughs> Arsenal, <laughs> but it is. But it is at the uh, the Spurs Chelsea game. Um, but again, it's that thing where Chelsea fans, or you know, the ball goes in the back of the net, and now it's another way around where it's obviously ruled out immediately. But the 
they're not making the right decisions here. I mean, you're going to tell us in a second, obviously, if it's given, but it's it's maddening to to, to be in this situation where the, the decisions are getting wrong and then being overturned, etc. But it's, um, it's it's just mad. And it, 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 do you know what? It's interesting. Like, obviously, yes, we're watching Chelsea right now, or I'm watching Chelsea right now, shall I say? Mm. But it's highlighting actually for some reason I, I I couldn't can't pinpoint it, but we are seeing some really tight calls. Literally every single game. I mean, honestly, this offside is like it could be centimeters. Does he yeah. touch the ball? They've got to analyze that. I mean, it's yeah. this is they still not giving it. Is it still being checked? No, it's still going on. And this again, is what I mean. I'm thinking, and that was at Newcastle. That they, I think it was. I don't know what the exact timing of it was. It felt over four minutes. Four minutes. It was, it was it over four minutes. 20. Yeah, it, honestly, and it, it, like the, the crowd in the stadium was. Like, you feel for those supporters, you know. And I, I, I love going up to St James, but I think it's one of the best atmospheres in, in the Premier League. It's one of the greatest grounds you can go to to watch a game of football. You know, other than when you, your your own team's going to face yeah. them because it's such a difficult test, but. They, the anger at how long they were having to wait for those decisions. What do you make of the idea of putting in a two-minute like clause? Should they be given a time limit? Does that add extra pressure? What yeah, do it think? does. I think a time limit 100% would add extra pressure. Uh, no doubt about it. I don't think that's a, that that for me doesn't work at all. Um, they're clearly already struggling under the pressure and microscope what's going on. Look, I don't want to see time taken out of a game. Football, we love it so much because it's free-flowing might be a penalty in the same incident. Really? It's crazy. <laughs> Honestly, it's utterly crazy. Romero's gone in, studs up. Oh, I don't... I don't. If this was against us, I'd probably be disappointed because he's, he's taken a ball but follow through with his studs. Yeah. So this is all in the same incident to building up. So they the, must have cleared the offside if they're now looking at the... They've cleared the, it and said it's offside and now yeah, they're looking... Yeah. But he's followed through on the ball, high up on the shin. I don't know. I don't know the rules anymore, <laughs> mate, and I work for Sky. Uh, some, pe- some people probably be nodding on going, yeah, you all don't know the rules, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. probably right. Like that, <laughs> but, but I, um, yeah, go on. Yeah, look, the time limit, no, no, it doesn't work for me. I think ultimately as fans, I think we can take time out of the game, but we've got to make the right decisions. And if the right decisions are not being made and we're taking the time out of the game, then we're all losing out. Uh, so look, time limit, no, Some, but something's got to change right now. <laughs> Yeah. It's crazy. This has been going on. This is. Oh, is it still than, going? Yeah, okay. This is, this is longer than the Newcastle one. It must have been longer than four minutes. Yeah, surely. Yeah, longer. So, uh, Red Kevin in the chat says, "Is this an Arsenal podcast or not?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's fine. No, it's it's all it's all relevant to us. You know, it's a really sorry, Red Kim. Michael Oliver's gone to the gone to the uh, screen now and he's checking okay. it out. So we so might get a, we might get an answer about that. Might get an um, answer in about five minutes. Honestly, I might I might chop this podcast on in in the morning just to see what it's like listening back to something where you already know the result of the game. <laughs> Listen to two guys try and make sense of the chaos. Sorry, everybody. The I, I, I've got to apologise for everybody. It's all good, mate. Um, so yeah, the the last the question I asked Arteta was, how do you pick the players up now um, yeah. after this? You you felt an injustice. You felt a situation where it's gone against you. It's out of your control in your mind. Um, even though, you know, a lot of people would argue that maybe Arsenal could have done more in attack. What? Is, what? Penalty. Red card and penalty. Red yeah. card and penalty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've got this game on. I've got to chuck it on in the background. This is just a worst look on your face. I just, can't, I just can't. Honestly, that's taken... I would, <laughs> somebody in the chat might be able to help us out, but I think that's taken maybe six minutes. Well, I, I tell you what, we'll know when it was because when Brad put one one, that's when we'll know. So that was eight twenty nine. So that was five minutes ago. 
So yeah, that's long and, and yeah, it's madness. Um, anyway, look, sorry, right, I'll stop, guys. I apologise. I tell you what, for those that are watching this show over that game, fair play to you. We respect you. Yeah, We're appreciating we your viewership. We really it's don't. not easy. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, but yes, as I said, the question I asked was, how do you pick the team up? Where do you go from it? How difficult do you think it's going to be? Do you think the players are, because it's a young squad as well. I think they would have been affected by this performance, this result, what's happened to them. Do you have, you know, belief that they, they will be able to kind of, for this severe game, have put it in a box, put it under your bed and, and moved on? Yeah, look, I, I, it is tough. I, I remember covering Arsenal towards the end of last season. I remember being asked a few times, I was at the training ground, I got asked a few times about whether Arsenal would be able to cope. We, we kept on playing second, always mm. kept on playing second, and whether that would start impact them, will that affect their like mentality? And I remember going, you know what? No, I, I think they're right. They're, they're young. They just carry on. They carry on playing football. But actually, they got affected by it. And, and we clearly saw that. So... Look, I think they've learned. I think there's some experienced heads now in that team. I think Declan Rice is, this is where someone like him really stands up. Mm. Uh, this is an extra reason why we brought him, not just the player on the pitch, the person and player off the pitch is so crucial. That experience we're going to have to lean on. And uh, look, injustice happens, but I think they can still look at that, look at that game and go, you know what, that the weird chances to win that. And I think they can. I think they can get past that. Look, the Champions League. We saw the best performance of the season. I think was PSV at home. I think that yeah. was the most fluid, most creative. We looked. That first half was was really special. I thought we were brilliant. And if we can re- reproduce that on Wednesday night, then that will give them the confidence. And and the one thing we're probably a little bit fortunate about. We've got a nice run of fixtures coming up as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is where you get your confidence back and start building it again. And it's going to start on Wednesday night. They've got, you know, we played Saturday evening, got a little extra day in between than maybe we normally would if it was a Tuesday. So, you know, it gives Mikel the chance to work with the players. But I, I just want to see us be a little bit more <clears throat> assertive on the front foot, be a little bit more crazy, uh, mm-hmm. creative. It, it's needed. And I, I want to see, you know, likes of Bakayo set, set, step up because... We do look for him and and we look for him a lot. We rely on him a lot. And, you know, I I would like to see a little bit more from him. I'd like to see Eddie producing the bigger games. You know, it's all Mm. well and good producing at home to a Sheffield United team that are struggling so much. But, you know, we do need a little bit more. And he's got it in his locker. I I, I, look, I firmly, as I, I know a lot of people are frustrated with maybe the lack of forward options that Arsenal have. But you know, let's not forget the job he did after the uh, World Cup when Jesus yeah. was injured. He did a great job stepping in. We know he's not your you know, number one striker. We we understand that. But you also need squad players. And you need players to come in. And we, we're learning at the moment the amount of injuries we're starting to pick up. So, look, I, I think... Yeah, when the dust settles, they get down to business. They prepare for something a little bit different. And I think that comes probably at the right time. The Champions League, you know, that everybody's going to get up for the Champions League. You hear that music, you walk out the Emirates, mm. big noise. The atmosphere there has been fantastic this season. And I, I think we can turn it around. Yeah, look, it, what can you do? You, they're used to it, right? Look, how many, let's go back to the start. All those decisions I read out. Yeah, they're used yeah. to being hard done by this season. It, it, it's exceptional what's happened. It, it, it doesn't mm. happen that often every year, but in such a short space of time, we've had to deal with some really hard decisions. So I, I yeah. expect them to bounce back. I really do. Yeah, and so do I. And the Sevilla is an interesting game to be able to do it because obviously Arsenal's win there earlier this season. Oh, you know, so in, in the 
such a massive win. Like, yeah. and it, and it's another difficult place where Arsenal got a victory away from home. And, you know, Arsenal's record away, 2-1 two, two Chelsea. <laughs> right offside, no. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And that's why I don't do watch-alongs because Sorry. that reaction is exactly what you can get clipped up for. And like, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth oh, it. Oh, he might be onside. Oh, it's so oh, close. I don't know. I give up. Oh, <laughs> I give me. up. Guys. This, is, this is a roller coaster. This is, I mean, as I said before, this is the closest you're going to get to a TGT watch-along and it's not even for an Arsenal game. So, so you um, thought you'd be bringing on a professional reporter, you know, and look what you've honestly, got. Sorry, mate. Honestly, that check is not going to be in the post, mate. I swear. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Sevilla is, I say it's a massive win we got earlier this season. Really, really important victory. And that obviously that, that Jesus goal, the Jesus performance in that game was so crucial. And we're not going to have him for this game. How are you feeling about this severe match? Yeah, look, uh, I can't disagree with you more. Like, uh, sorry, I can't agree with you more. Um, <laughs> apologies. <laughs> Sometimes I'm sure I'll disagree with you. But no, uh, look, Sevilla, that was so vital. Mm. Going away in Europe, I think, gets maybe underestimated how tough those trips can be. It doesn't matter where you go. It's just not easy. They're not easy environments to play football in. It's very different. It's really hard. It's Mm. really, really genuinely hard. And to go to a place like Sevilla... Um, perform the way we did as well. It's not just the result. I thought the performance was was really, really good, really strong. I don't like the fact we haven't got Jesus. It's so disappointing because I felt like we saw the best of Gabriel Jesus that day. Mm. Uh, probably the best, likely the best performance in an Arsenal shirt. I would go that far in mm. a game of that importance as well, if you throw that into the mix, to then lose him to injuries, a, you know, a big blow. But look, I, I'm, I'm confident, but I, I'm... There's a, definitely an element of concern with regards to the Erdogan situation. And mm. I'd like an update from Mikel if he's going to be honest with us. Uh, give us give us a, a truthful update on how long he's going to be out for or what the situation well, is with him. Uh, I can tell you that I was told that they are hopeful um, that he'll be okay for Sevilla. Um, that was at the weekend. So hopefully that, that turns out to be the case. And it, I was told it was not serious. Um what happened? So with Erdegaard, so he was just he wasn't fit for the game and he wasn't cleared to play. Um, so yeah, hopefully uh, he'll be okay. I've heard those messages before. Yeah, true. Uh, is it completely fair? <laughs> you know, from, from that football club. Yeah, I've from heard Arsenal, those yeah, messages before. <clears throat> and yeah, so. <clears throat> That I'm just trying to give people bit. reason for optimism, you know, but I, I don't want to go down the false hope route, but that's all no, I can no, tell you is I was told. No, you don't. Reasons. It's good, though, but it's good <laughs> that you share that with people because, honestly, sometimes, you know, you do, when when maybe we report these and we have mm. these conversations with people within the club, they are often having their own agenda by doing so. 
by putting something out. They want a bit of optimism, a bit of positivity amongst the fan base. They want to settle everybody down a little bit. There's a reason why the messaging does come out at times, and I've seen it many, many times before. Um, like, for example, let's give an example, like an insight. So during Timber uh, injury, which, by the way, is massive to our season, I, I really believe he he was so key. Uh, mm. for this season. I'm, I was devastated when he went injured. But, yeah, um, me too. Awful. Before, Awful. when it happened, there was a, a few questions asked about the medical team allowing him to carry on playing for the second yeah. half. Sure. Before the, his next press conference, I was invited down and I spoke to the doctor, the club doctor, and the club mm. doctor was explaining exactly the process that was carried out. Now, it wasn't just me there. There were a few other people in the media invited to that. And it was their way of basically almost controlling the narrative and saying, this is what happened, which I believe them that this is what happened, but there's a reason why they're telling us mm. because they want the positive message put across. Oh, really? That's uh, interesting. And that, and that happens a lot. Look, clubs are desperate for their positive PR. They need it. And, and, and that does happen a lot. So look, with the injury situations, yeah, it can be, I don't know necessarily how to take it too much. But look, if Odegaard's fit, I, th I think that's a positive, especially at home in the Champions League. I think that's going to really help us. I'm trying to be positive. Yeah, no, we've missed it massively. You know, I mean, he came back and scored that goal against West Ham. And you're like, look, he was on for, what, 10, 10 minutes and he scored. So he was creating opportunities. He, he had a, as well. Yeah. He looked good. He looked good in that cameo. And it was a game that had gone. It was a game where he really, for me, was the only player that really showed any intent in trying to get Arsenal back into the game despite going down. It was a really disappointing performance. Another game that I've travelled annoyingly in that wet and rain to and seen another defeat. Um, but uh, there's thankfully not been too many of them in the last couple of years under Arteta. So you've got to be thankful and count your lucky stars in some cases. But yeah, that Sevilla is going to be an interesting game at home. Arsenal seem to have had, you know, especially in Europe, we've looked good. You know, that game against PSV earlier this season, we absolutely put them away because of the way in which they tried to attack Arsenal, it backfired. But obviously this first Sevilla game at home is, is the start of what many would describe James as a relatively, you know, reasonable run of fixtures. We've got Burnley, we've got Brentford, we've got Wolves, we've got Luton, we've got a Villa side that just lost to to, uh, to to Nottingham Forest and I'll tell you what that result there were a lot of Arteta critics I think ready to shout out that Villa and Unai Emery had gone above Arteta and Arsenal this season so uh, I was quite happy but not only because I've got my own affiliations with Nottingham Forest I lived there for a while but like it's just so glad to see them not win that game but how do you feel about that run that we've got coming up now what that means for us in this season yeah look it, it's positive I just it'd be nice to get the squad fit and firing and healthy. Um, I, I think that's the most important thing. I think it gives us an opportunity to move past Newcastle to make sure that we don't lose the next game. I think that's always crucial, isn't it? You lose a game in a Premier League, you've just got to make sure you do not lose the next one because we've seen it, unfortunately, far too often, certainly in recent seasons, where we seem to have that little period and we lose a couple of games in a row and confidence drops and performances start to drop and we've got to make sure that we don't do that because I think they've also got to hold on to the thought that actually the Newcastle performance wasn't bad. It, it wasn't bad. I, I don't describe it as a bad performance. I describe yeah. the second half against West Ham as a bad performance. Uh, that was a different situation. Um, but now look, they've got to pick themselves up quick. They've yeah. got the fixtures to do so. They've got, fi got the fixtures to get on a nice run. Uh, they've got the fixtures to get themselves through to the next stage of the Champions League. You know, two out of three at home. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you've got to expect that we're going to get through, but we've got to make sure we do the business. And then 
with something to look forward to next year because it's not about you know the Champions League. It's not about making up the numbers. We want to be competing in the knockout stages. We want to be having those big games, those big moments at the Emirates. That's what we missed so much for, what, six seasons. So, look, I think this is a good run of fixtures. I'm so glad we're at home as well on Wednesday. I think that's, again, really important. Get in front of our home crowd. The crowd are going to be really important as well. They've got to get behind the team. They can't. We can't lose faith. We, we, I feel like the, we as a collective fan group have done so well alongside what Mikel's done with the players to really turn around the Emirates atmosphere. And I think you've got to make sure we just keep on top of that, keep that atmosphere high. And look, I'm positive. I think we can. And, and look, anything can happen in the Premier League. You know, we finally beat Manchester City. You know, we, we can do that. Tottenham are Tottenham bloody unbeaten at the moment. I mean, anything yeah, can happen this year. Hopefully not for much longer, but we'll see. <laughs> hopefully not for much longer. And hopefully Chelsea pick up the win tonight. But um, but look, let's be, let's be real, right? Tottenham have looked really good. They've looked really good this year. Mm. Uh, City still look brilliant. Liverpool have looked improved, albeit, okay, they probably should have, certainly should have beaten Luton, but they didn't. They should have beaten Spurs as well as another VAR catastrophe. Yeah, yeah, they should have done. Look, there's so many of these, but these teams are improving. Your Newcastle's, your Aston Villas, Mm. they are becoming like really, you know, tough teams to play against. And you've got to be perfect. And again, it goes back to the reason why Mikel was so angry because he knows how important it is that when you've got those opportunities in games, you can't drop points. No, and that's that's true because we say this is a favourable run, but Arsenal have to win all of these games. Mm-hmm. If they're title challengers, they have to win every yeah, single yeah. one of them. If they mm-hmm. drop points to any of Wolves, Luton, Burnley, or Brentford, I think that you, there's a, a strong case that that's Arsenal's title challenge. You know, really seriously under threat. You know, you can go to Newcastle and, and drop points because it's a place that a lot of teams this season are going to go to lose, but. Mm-hmm. What you can't do is is lose that and then go and subsequently drop points again because suddenly that starts to snowball and you can't allow that to happen. But even if you're able to win the next two games, you then lose to Wolves. The narrative changes again completely. Um, so it's going to be very intriguing because Man City, you know, I know Spurs are top of the league right now and and all that, but you you can't you can't ever just allow Man City to gain a gap on you because as soon as they got that gap, it just doesn't go down because they're just so monotonous in the winning that they have um and it's yeah I, I look forward to the day that Pep Guardiola finally leaves that club because you know they've got great <laughs> players but for me he is the he is the sole reason behind that clubs and obviously we talk about the money but he is such a huge factor um in in that club uh, the, the, the just the machine like success that they've had and how consistent they've been so yeah one day one day yeah I, I, I'm with you um and because this is a nice watch along at the moment, Madison and Van der Ven have just gone off injured. Romero, wow. sent, off. Romero sent off earlier. So they're now in, you know, they're going to start struggling. And, and, and we said this before, like Spurs, they are, the difference between Spurs and City and Arsenal is that City and Arsenal have lost Jesus. They've lost Partey. They've lost Erdogan at times. They've lost Martinelli at times. They lost Saka for the Man City game, you know, but they've got the depth you know, or more depth, say, than they have had before. Sure. And more depth than Spurs have. You lose those key players in a in a side like Spurs, and suddenly it starts to fall apart. So let's see. Uh, and of course, uh, we'll be done before the game concludes here. But uh, it's going to be intriguing seeing how this one plays out. Um, there's, I want to talk about a couple of players as well before we... Uh, actually, what I do want to do is take some questions for the chat box in the last 10 minutes as well. So, chat box, if you do got some questions to throw in, uh, now is your time to chuck them in the last 10 minutes. We'll get to them. But just before we do uh, get there... I know it's not a brief conversation to have, but I just want to get your thoughts on the Raya Ramsdale situation. Right. Okay. Um, now, again, I, I 
I will go back to a conversation I had with Mikel that made me convinced that actually he made the right decision in bringing in mm. Graham, first and foremost. And we spoke right at the time it happened. Obviously, there was so much talk at the time. Why are we bringing him in? You know, we don't need him. It's extra pressure and all this stuff. Well, actually, you know, he straight away said, well, look at Thibaut Courtois does his ACL uh, at Real Madrid. He's out for the season. If that happened for us and we didn't have a backup keeper at a high level, then we're going to be struggling. Now, I'd take us back to last season when we had um, Matt Turner, sorry, as our second keeper. Now, every time he came into that side, we didn't play the same way because we didn't have a goalkeeper who was confident with his feet up to scratch and up to that ability. It really made a whole level drop off. So now you've got two keepers, doesn't matter who's in goal, can keep that high level of playing up. So I understand that's to me, that's a positive. Having those two mm. keepers in, to me, is only going to be a positive. What I don't necessarily agree with Mikel is bringing Raya in when he did. I don't think Ramsdale necessarily did anything wrong to be taken out of the side. He has then gone back on some of his words that he said. We know when he said, oh, my biggest regret is actually not substituting the keeper, and which he actually meant substituting Ramsdale to bring on Raya. Well, Raya's had at times games where he's been struggling with the ball at his feet. Mm. Well, that's your moment to then bring him in. Raya's had moments where he's been uh, making mistakes. Well, okay, now's your time. Give Ramsdale go. So he's kind of gone back on everything. And I think ultimately it's very clear that Raya is his number one choice. But I, I think we've got to, as fans, be patient with it and actually just accept the fact we are lucky at the moment. We've got two fantastic goalkeepers. Um, mm. But to me, I would be bringing Ramsdale back in right now. I think I've seen a, really? few, too, a few too many errors in Raya. Do you think he was wrong for the Newcastle one then? Uh, he, he's partly at fault, yep. Yeah. Yeah, he's partly at fault. His positioning, he, I, I don't know whether he, well, look, the whole defence switched off. And we look, talk about Newcastle. Whether the ball was over the line or not, I yeah. actually don't care, right? Generally, mm. that I don't care about. If it was over or not, you, yeah, you, the one thing you're taught when you're a kid, play to the whistle. You, you just drilled, it's drilled in you, and we stopped. And we allowed Willock to just carry and carry, carry. Ryan got distracted and for some reason pushed further forward. Uh, he mm. was, yeah, out of position. I think he was at fault. And there's been a few incidents. Um, you know, Sevilla, he nearly cost us, didn't he? Diving forward and mm. God, God knows what he was thinking there. So, look, I, I think he's shown a few incidents now that I, I would, I, I don't see why you wouldn't then go, right, let's put Aaron back in. Yeah. Let's let's give him a run. If he, again, starts showing, making mistakes, and swap it around again. If you've got the ability to have two keepers like that that are really comfortable playing with the same defence because, you know, Ramsdale certainly is. I think, the players are comfortable playing with Raya. I, I've never seen, I have, actually haven't seen one bit where I'm looking and going, well, you know, the defence are not trusting Raya at all. I think there's trust there straight away. I think there's a relationship built straight away. So, mm. yeah, look, I don't think it's a bad thing that we've got two very good goalkeepers. I think we should maybe be a little bit, maybe just be a little bit grateful that we have rather than concentrating on, oh, but that can cause one keeper to feel a bit under pressure. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's really interesting because I, I was speaking to a few journalists at the ground at the weekend, and you know, some of the suggestion that he, he felt like the Raya signing was unnecessary. It's created kind of this this strange dynamic. Like if you're going to bring in a keeper, maybe look to have brought one in that's cl very much clear of Ramsdale rather than it being kind of there being marginal. 
differences between the two uh, where it makes it kind of a bit of a debate. I get what Arteta was saying about wanting competition in, the, in that, that area and wanting there to be a situation whereby you've got, you know, uh, a level, not a level playing field, but just two players that can compete with one another because you've got it in so many other areas like Zinchenko and Tommy Asu currently a left back. It's a real good competition going on there, you know, into the midfield and you're adding Rice into a battle with Partey for a midfield position potentially. You know, you've got Gabriel Martinelli and Trossard. That's a great competition at left wing because he had so much... To, to the depth in that forward line, not just at left wing, but also at centre forward, I think he can offer something too. And Kai Havertz was designed to do the same thing, although it's just not maybe worked out as well in that area. And certainly Urien Timber was designed to add competition to those fullback areas that look so set from last season. So I, I absolutely understood it. It's just the goalkeeping position is different. It just, it's not the same as an outfield role. And so that creates questions. And I know I've, I've been very critical of the fact that he took him out of that Champions League team because when he took him out for Everton, I was like, okay, that's fine. Ray is going to be the Premier League keeper. But Ramsdale got Arsenal with a huge contribution back into the Champions League, and to not be rewarded with a uh, you know with an opportunity to play in the competition that you've helped Arsenal get back into is incredibly harsh, and I think created more of a problem and more of a debate around that subject. Um, uh, James, how long have you got? How many questions do you think we can get for? Hey, come on, I'm, I'm set. There's 12 minutes added on over there. <laughs> He's ready to go for a I've second half. I've to the lemon room. So, yeah, keep your ears. Rancid Pumpkin, one of our favourite named guests in the chat box, says, should Arsenal go for Conor McGregor in January because Bruno Gimaraes has changed football now? <laughs> Do you know what? You, in all seriousness, though, the, there's a couple of things that did bother me. Look, mm. Bruno Gimaraes went around the pitch. It was disgraceful. It weren't just the forearm. There was that time he just ran up and shoved Georgina mm. and just nothing happened at all. Um, but what annoyed me the most is that Gimrash did that and not what I just felt like not one Arsenal player really like stood up for themselves. Rice did at one point and Rice is probably the only one he ran, he was the first one and the only one really to run in when Havertz had his incident. They were all so slow to run in and I'm in a, I'm a believer that, you know, if your, your teammates in trouble, you, it doesn't matter whether you're, I don't know, scared of a fight or whatever, just run in. Running like you, you protect your teammates, and I'm worried that Arsenal just still haven't got that that strong toughness to deal with characters like Bruno Gimmerich on the pitch. You know, we go back to our glory days; we're plenty of them. You know, the Vieira, Petit, etc., all the centre backs, even Omri Bergkamp. You know, mm. they're all big guys; they would never shy away from that. If one of their players is in trouble, they're jumping straight in. I just worry we're a little bit maybe soft on that front. Mm, yeah, I do. I do think that, and I remember you tweeted uh, in response to one of my tweets, didn't you, about that, uh, about kind of maybe the defense of, yeah. of players. Yeah. Um, and it, are we, I feel like Granite Xhaka was a big part of that uh, and Very a really big so. part of kind of like bringing the players in, defending each other. Maybe we do, maybe, I, I, you know, I, I, and I said to you, I thought, you know, in the Havert situation, I think they, they did show some, you know, not solidarity, wrong word, but just defensive watch it there. Watch it I back. will. Honestly, yeah, yeah, watch yeah. it back and you'll go, Actually, yeah, they were a bit slug. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I will. Maybe I will. By the way, I, I do want to show uh, you and others something uh, that I managed to find during it because I, I was honestly taken aback. This is the moment that Romero was sent off. Just uh, Hopefully it's going to come up on the screen in a second if it hasn't already. That, that, that's your face when... <laughs> <laughs> That is the moment that Romero was red-carded in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that expression. Oh, I love it. 
football. That's brilliant. I'll never send you that after. That's, that's brilliant. I think that's a new. I think that's your new Twitter profile picture. Sorry, Maybe, mate, to maybe it's gonna have to be. <laughs> um, Paul Jones says, if the only angle that VAR had showed the ball over the line, uh, the goal line, why didn't they disallow the goal? And Gordon was offside. Why wasn't that called? And why is that overlooked? I'm trying to reword the question in my head. No, I, I understand it. I mean, yeah. what he's basically saying the angle that we got of that ball looking like it crossed the line, mm. it looked like it crossed the line, but they couldn't definitively say yeah. it has because of, again, the right angle. Oh, we, sure. we, oh God, Chelsea could be down to 10. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my, this is the stupidest uh, game. Stupid, it's stupid. I'm yeah. sure you were watching it as well, but it, it's because they still just didn't have that. There was, it wasn't, it wasn't clear. And and we know with the ball, it can look deceiving from a certain angle that it overhangs the line slightly. So that's why the offside one was the. Yeah, just just quickly got, on the line thing. Do you know what I hate? I hate this picture that's going around of the person in their living room that's created like a line. Oh, yeah, yeah, in the yeah, ball. Yeah. It's like, yeah. how do you know that that is where the ball was in relation to the line exactly? <laughs> no. And then how do we know yeah. that they haven't just cut, put it a little bit closer yeah. and then zoom in over the top of it, like? What did I say? I saw I saw being sports try and create a um yeah a, a kind of virtual mock-up, but the, yeah. the flag was in one position and the line was like the line out. was further back than the flag. Like it's just <laughs> do you know what you're just gonna laugh because it's it's just comical. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like if, if anyone that's actually been to a football ground will know the flag and the line is like like the same. Like you, yeah. It's it's not it's not like a tiny little like like a pencil, <laughs> a McDonald's chip in the corner of each of the football field. Um, so yeah, there you go. So um, so anyway, look that yeah. that's that's the reason why um, you know this is where we go back to the on field decision. The on field decision that stands. They they've got nothing that can definitively say that that ball was on the, off uh, over the line. You couldn't even on that angle tell because you haven't seen the angle from above or along you know uh so i understand that completely the offside one i don't understand they're saying that they so the justification is that they didn't have a starting point now that i i i'm not convinced about if i'm being honest with you and if i'm being really transparent and truthful with you i personally think that they took so long on determining whether the ball crossed the line they then took so long determining whether gabriel was pushed by Joel Linton. He was, of course. That mm. time had gone so quickly that then they'd started looking and going, well, hold on a minute, maybe there's an offside. And I think they've started running out running out of time and having a bit of a, this is going to take too long. And I genuinely think they thought it's going to take too long to draw the lines because they'd already taken maybe three minutes at that point. Um, it would have taken a while to get the lines drawn. And that's my reasoning. That's what I think. Yeah. I'm not um, saying okay. that's right because I don't think no, it's right. At all. KSS says, but James, if you only have one angle, that is the evidence you have. How can you then say that based on the camera? That, I completely understand where you're coming from, but I agree with James. Like, mm. if you don't have the definitive yeah. angle, you I, can't I, use, you can't use it. You just can't. No, and and I, I get the frustration, but that isn't it's not the rules. That's not the rules that you yeah. the cameras are not there necessarily just for that. The cameras pick up everything. Mm. So that's not yeah yeah i understand your frustration but if yeah. that were the rules that the you determine it by the only cameras that you have and then it's slightly different but it that mm-hmm. it's an angle of a camera you I can't think, I think a can of worms if you use yeah, yeah. insufficient 
confidence to rule. So because obviously the goal was given. If it was a case of the goal not being given, you know, and they were looking at that, hundred percent, and then they 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 wouldn't have overturned it. Exactly. If they if the linesman had said or the assistant ref had said that ball definitely in my eyes crossed the line, then they would have showed that video. They would have looked at the evidence they had, and they wouldn't have overturned it. They would have mm. stuck with that decision. So look, I I, I can understand that one. For sure. Uh, James sorry, got away with that incident, by the way, the red card. So uh, not still 11 versus 10 in uh, in, in North London. Uh, James, it was, okay. okay. Yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was deemed it wasn't a uh, foul. I'm sure we'll get a replay after. <laughs> Probably used his forearm. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gary, will, Gary will defend it, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, don't. don't go there. Stephen says, uh, do you think we need to reimagine how best to play Saka given everyone in the Premier League has seemingly figured out how to neutralise him in attack? Gracias, amigos. Keep up the great work. Keeping us sane. <laughs> Appreciate brilliant that, question. Stephen. Yeah, mm. brilliant question, Stephen. Uh, I think that's something that... You know, Arteta's a thinker. You know, he's somebody who's so meticulous in his preparation. He's constantly working on different ways to benefit the team, utilise the team, change the team. He doesn't want to see the team play the same way all the time. I know we saw that a lot last season. He's always trying to find little moments where they can free up Saka. But again, I go back to I go back to the importance of Erdegaard. And Erdegaard, that smart, clever movement that he has to drag away drag away the fullback to give Saka the space so that he's actually got time on the board and space to work in. And I think without Erdegaard, Saka's really struggling to find out, okay, I haven't got that now. What else can I do? And I think that's something He's got to figure out. I think Arteta's got to figure out as well because we, we saw, I think, at times in the Newcastle game, Saka, for the first time I've seen for ages, he came mm. inside a little bit and he started floating a bit more. And yeah. actually, I quite like that. I like that. That offers something different. Float, move around, tell him to not just be stuck on that right-hand side because in those tough battling games, sometimes if he's just stuck there the whole time, he's not getting involved at all. So... Uh, look, I would like to see a bit of a change up. I think maybe we saw a little glimmer of it and maybe we're going to see that a little bit more moving forward. Um, but uh, hopefully he'll find his form. Yeah, he's still young. He's, he's been sensational for us. So, um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm just looking at that uh, Reese James incident now um, of him elbowing. Yeah. It's it's not off the ball like Bruno's is, but it's like it's very obvious what he's doing. Um that's going to be talked about as another one. <laughs> Chalk them up. Uh, Vegas Gunner, thank you so much for the kind donation. Uh, hi, guys. What's more important addition for Arsenal? A centre mid, a DM, or a right winger, or a striker? And then what player would you like to add? Uh, the first question's easier than the second, but go, go on. You've got some... i tell you what, you, the, the guys have got some brilliant questions. Uh, uh, genuinely, mm. I love it. Uh, they're really, clued really... up, our audience. They yeah, are. No, just up, brilliant, man. but... but... They're the right questions to be asking. Mm. I think, again, the club are asking those same questions right now. Um, look, for me, oh, it's hard. That's a really tough one. Centim mm. I think there's a really tough debate between a centre mid and a forward. We want yeah. a striker. We all want a striker. We want a striker who scores goals. They're not easy to get. No. They're not easy to get. There isn't that many out there. And if there mm. are, they're going to cost you a lot of money. Um do we need a centre midfielder? Yes. I, I think we need someone alongside Declan. Thomas, yeah. is, is the injuries are just mounting up time and time again. And I'm still not certain that he's ever going to get to that consistently high level that we need him to. Uh, Declan, for me, is... I like the fact he can go forward. He's got that ability, but I still believe his best position is as the defensive midfielder. He, he He's just so good in that position. I agree. I just think, 
Yeah, he's also insanely good at he eight is. as well. He, yeah. He, yeah, he is. But yeah. but then, is he better at eight? Yeah. Than a defensive no, I think that we can buy a player that's better I than Rice so. at eight than you can for Rice at six. Yeah, that's why I agree. I agree completely. So look, I think that's really important. Oh, striker! This is the thing, guys. Look. We saw the impact Jesus had in Sevilla. If we had that mm. Jesus playing every single week, yeah. we, wouldn't we wouldn't be having this conversation. It. Yeah, agreed. So, can I be cheeky? I'm going to be cheeky. And the chat box know why this is a cheeky question because <laughs> there's a narrative around this question um, on this channel. Would you have Ivan Tony? Yes. Why? Uh, I I think he offers an alternative, an alternative goal scoring threat that. I don't believe like a natural goal scoring threat that the other two haven't got. Mm. Um, I believe, I believe to me, I really look regardless of the Arsenal Brentford, the Arsenal Tony link. I believe he's, um, I I think he's an exceptional forward. I I think he's a player that's just constantly getting better and better. Okay. Yes. This is a difficult period now to judge him after being out of the game for a long period of time, Mm -hmm. but he's not out injured and we need to make sure we're, we, still understand that he's not injured, mm. which means that his body's still fresh. He's still fit. He just needs to keep getting the game time that he's getting behind closed door. He's training with the team every single um, training session at Brentford. Now he's, he's massively a part of that squad. Um, I believe that I, I, I think he would be a great addition. Okay. So the reason why it's a cheap question is because I really don't want him. Okay. <laughs> um, what, why? Why? Yeah, yeah, of course. And you're completely fair to ask in reverse. Um, and the chat box know uh, a fair amount of what we've discussed in the past. For me, like I personally don't think he's enough of an upgrade on Gabriel Jesus right now. And I think if Arsenal go out into the market and are going to invest in a striker and are going to invest an amount of money that is going to cost to take, say, Tony, you know, there's, there was talk of 65 million. Now there's talk of 80 million. There's even yeah. been some mentions of 100 million. And like this, this is an amount of money that if you're going to sign a player, it has got to, like Declan Rice, level you up to a, you know, to an exceptionally high level. And I just think that the gap between Jesus and Tony isn't like massive, if you know what I mean. I also think that stylistically, Jesus has qualities that fit more seamlessly with what Arteta likes from his centre forwards. Like Tony's your finisher and Tony's playing in a system at Brentford where when he starts, that system is about getting the ball through Tony. It, you know, it's all it's about bottlenecking. I know Bremo offers a lot as well in that forward line and has done in his absence as well. Probably more so without Tony there now. But I just feel as though that it doesn't necessarily kind of fit for me in that Arsenal team. And I think that if you I don't think there is a striker out there, to be honest, that, that you can sign that's like going to give you that immediate impact and it is a, a significant upgrade on Jesus, to be honest. But I think that Arsenal should go for a younger player that they see that has the ceiling that is higher than Jesus's and get them to play together. And then obviously, eventually, one will overtake the other. Because I just don't, do you see what I mean? I just don't see that gap being big enough. Yep. I, 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 can, I can understand and appreciate your point. I think, look, the age thing is probably. It might actually be the biggest deal as regards Roadblock, whether yeah. we don't sign him. I think that's mm. the biggest roadblock. I, I really do. I think that's that's definitely something on my mind when I thought about how will can Arsenal sign him. But I'm not having <laughs> I'm not having a couple of you saying that that Eddie's better than him. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. So uh, this this not. again, this this is my fault. <laughs> okay. so, I, I can't, guys. The, so Eddie and Ketia over the past three seasons has a better non-penalty 
um, goal per start ratio than Tony does. So it's not to do with the fact that Tony's not played this season. It's to do with per starts. And it doesn't count goals that he scored from the benches either. So when he starts games in the Premier League, and Ketia scored more goals from open play than, than Tony does. Which he, is... play, he plays for Arsenal. But and, I, that, and that's always the response. But my argument is, well, he, Tony's playing in a system at Brentford that is tailored to get the ball to him. And he is the... Whereas you're still, expected to... Yeah, the goals look, are spread out in an Arsenal team. I understand what you say. Look, look mm-hmm. I, I'm not knocking Eddie here, by the way. Yeah. Um, I, I, no, like no, I said, no, of course la- not. Last, the last season, when it, again, after that World Cup break, he impressed me so much. Mm. He was under huge pressure. It was, you know, he was after a new contract. He, he yeah. didn't know where his future was going to be. And he proved on that... Uh, in that period, that actually he can do it, and he he can do it at this level. Mm. I just I just still think Tony's all round game for me sure. is stronger. He's much better in the oh, air. Oh yeah, I, and I think he's holding the ball up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and to me, he's a better finisher. And those three yeah. assets, I think, are really something that we're lacking at Arsenal. I don't think oh, Jesus isn't brilliant in the air. Uh, Eddie's not brilliant in the air. I don't believe either of them are that brilliant at holding the ball up. Jesus has his moments, but I think he can be roughed up at times. Um, and, and look, Tony's been playing for a Brentford side that have been, you know, talking constantly and, and they speak inside and internally. We see it externally on the pitch, all about the work rate. Thomas Frank wants his team working hard, running hard. And that's something that Tony does. Mm. So look, yeah, if the deal could be right, then he'd be somebody I'd be interested in. I'd be quite surprised if any talk happens until the summer, though. Yeah, no, I think a striker is, is far more likely in the summer. I think I don't expect Arsenal to be that busy, to be honest, in January, because I think I there's don't. a lot of factors that are restricting them. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I really don't, unfortunately. We might get one, but it's, you know, and, and who that would be. And it, it, you know, it might be a loan, it might be something, but people are expecting Arsenal to go in the market and spend tens of millions of pounds again, unless they make a big sale, which I don't see again happening. I don't think that is going to be the case just because it's not, I mean, they have a 25 man squad for starters. And that Cedric's the only one that you look at thinking he could move on, but everybody else has been used at some yeah. you know stage. So how do you fit them in? Um, but I love this from KSS who says, James is Eddie hatred, hashtag yeah. confident. <laughs> Well, say things like that, you get me in trouble. Goodness He's me. joking. He's joking. Yeah, I know. It's all, I know. it's all good. Um, James, we're going to round the, the show off there because I think everyone's going to want to get back to watch uh, a rather chaotic second half in North London. Um, it's about 12 fair. minutes added on. It hasn't even started yeah. yet. So uh, <laughs> half time is going to be going on for a little bit, it seems. But James, thank you so much, Neto, mate, for your Neto's time. I really appreciate shout, it. What's that? Neto's, Neto's a shout. He's yeah, a he is. Yeah, I think it'd be a great option for us. If, if I could get a player from the Premier League right now that's realistic, it would probably be uh, Pedro. Although I think he's out injured at the moment, isn't he? So I don't know if that's... Yeah, he's picked up a hamstring problem. Yeah, yeah so again, that's one to, to keep an eye on. James, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Tell people where they can find you and what you're going to be up to. Yeah, pleasure. Uh, honestly, thanks for having me on. I love it. Love talking Arsenal always. And it's difficult, <laughs> my job sometimes, to show my Arsenal colours. Um, it does come <laughs> does come out every so often if you look closely. I mean, last one of the last times I was at Tottenham, I, I think we were talking about injuries or Conte was talking about something and I was sending a link in to a clip of Conte. <laughs> I only watched it. I had a few mates message me and gone, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. And what I did, I, I kind of queued it up and it was, I don't know, he was moaning about something. And I yeah. sent this link and then I've just smiled. Like... like <laughs> And my, a few of my mates <laughs> saw it. It was like, oh my god! I just kind of, yeah. but um, yeah. Look, I love it. I love coming on, and um, you know, I like all of, you know, like everybody. I'm sure watching right now, like Arsenal's everything to me. Uh, I, I love Arsenal. I've been Arsenal fan since I was four years old, and 
and I just want to see them do well. I want the fan base to unite. I, I, I just, yeah, want us all to just be in this positive kind of space mm. together, united together as much as we possibly can. And I love the fact people share their opinions. That's what it's all about. We're never always going to agree. That's why we're all so different. And that's the best way. Nice guy, yeah. but wrong about Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Again, maybe so maybe so you never know um but yeah look it, uh, it's a pleasure i'm on yeah sky news sky sports news here there and everywhere reporting from various training grounds press conferences living the dream tom to be honest with you it Indeed. is uh, an absolute uh, pleasure and i'm so grateful for all the opportunities i get and i'm lucky i'm in a privileged position to be able to do so uh, it is it's just the best job in the world. It really is. I know, I know some people aren't too keen on Sky or they have their moments of Sky, but I tell you what, Sky does a remarkable job. Sky Sports News and the people behind the scenes to bring everything together and you know try and tell the story as best as we possibly can. You might not always agree with opinions that pundits might have, but I tell you what, they do an amazing job. And um, yeah, love it. Love it. So thank you, everybody. Absolutely. Um, I also did want to give a shout out to a, a recent Just Giving page that you gave some um, attention to as well that I've just retweeted. So um, go see the link that I've retweeted. It's certainly worth it. An amazing cause that has in 28 plus thousand pounds um, donated now. Oh, to that mate, I, yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. Uh, one of my, yeah, a friend of mine, somebody that was a producer of a, one of my very early days uh, as a presenter, actually, um, she sadly, yeah, passed away this week uh, for mm. breast cancer. She had it's an unbelievable story, really, because she got breast cancer. She fought it off, and it it really wasn't easy. Fought it off. Um, couldn't believe she celebrated so much being in remission. She then went on and got pregnant. Two days before her son was born, they she was sent in to have some tests, and they found out then that the cancer had come back yeah. and come back. Yeah at this really advanced level and um and sadly two and a half months later that was it so yeah yeah tough i i really appreciate you doing that and sharing course, that and mate. um yeah just give everybody I, like i did last night just felt so grateful to kind of be here and yeah give no, it's to your one because life can be Life can be fucking short sometimes. Yeah, so, it really uh, can. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, you know, I've had, I've, I've experienced loss because of that same, um, you know, horrible disease this year, and uh, you know, it, it hit me reading that that story that you shared yesterday, and certainly, you know, my, I've been sharing about the charity that my other half is running the uh, the London Marathon next year to to raise some money for a, a local hospice that looked after my granddad this year, so and hers as well. So there's amazing causes out there, but please go and have a look at the retweet that I've just put up on at the Guna Talk TV. Uh, it's on James's Twitter as well. You can find James at James green uh in uk uh, you can find him there so please do go have a look massive thank you again to you james uh for your honesty on today's show i think it's been great and hearing your arsenal thoughts as well because as you say you don't usually get to, to speak your mind on that stuff so i'm sure we'll see you back on the show at some stage in the future uh thank you to everyone that's listened as well it means the world uh, do drop a like on the video and subscribe i'll be back with you as always at atm and then i'll be joining you uh from london colony tomorrow uh for our test press conference and the open training session ahead of game against severe as well so uh, looking forward to that have a fantastic rest of your evening let's keep those fingers crossed for a spurs defeat uh, those listening on catch up you'll know the result already but we're we're hoping uh so let's see what happens and as always and as always uh i've said that twice now <laughs> but uh up the arsenal
It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.